name is Chris Fett and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on Saturday at 3. On this episode we'll be looking back on Rangers' final victory over Livingston at the Tony Macaroni Arena. Joining me to do this is first of all Dave. Dave, how are you mate? I'm good mate, good. I, I heard you had um, the most amazing uh, kind of setting to watch the game on, on Saturday. It was like big 75 inch TV, big plush couch. Beer in hand. <laughs> I, I was away with my mate, so my view of the game was limited. It was on several phones in a pub. We actually walked past the pub that claimed to have the biggest screen in Europe, but they weren't wearing it when there was other games on. So my analysis this week is going to be even more limited than it usually is. Are they showing like, like Roda versus Alkmaar or something? <laughs> it's... To, <laughs> Well, again, but the TV dealer there must be brilliant because everything is on. Every single game is on at every pub. There you go. Just, there you go. That just occurred to me there. Aye, well, that is a, that is a talking point, especially when you consider the the day and time of this match. It was a very, very bizarre um, kick-off time and the fact it was non-televised as well. Me and Kenny discussed that in the last pod. Still baffles me and obviously even more baffling, uh, Dave, that you're over in Holland and the Dutch league's getting that kind of coverage. It's just mental. It really, really is. It just shows you how short change we are. But as I say, we went over that um, last week. And joining Dave and I um, to try and keep some balance to proceedings is producer Andrew. Now, producer Andrew, I don't think you had any plans in actually contributing to me, but when you heard it was me and Dave, you're like, no, nah, I'm coming in. It's anything to, you know, you know, maybe alleviate some of the misery that you guys tend to get into well, if it's just the two of you well, by yourself. <laughs> no, I'm still on my positivity train. I'm still upbeat. I mean, all right. Well, well, then maybe it's just to counteract Chris then. <laughs> aye, aye. He needs a bit of balance in it. On the on the pitch results, like yeah, I've not had. I don't think I've had anything bad to say. Performances maybe, but in terms of results, have been perfect. So, patient <laughs> precedes me a wee bit. Certainly off the field, I've got a few things to say, which I'm sure we will come to. But um, let's just mm-hmm. on the, the the game at hand first almost. So we linked up with McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Raskin, Kamara, Sakala, Kent and Cantwell and Alfredo Morelos up front himself. No Malik Tillman, um, no Ryan Jack and no John John Lundstrom. Now John Lundstrom was touch and go for this game um, and Michael Beale gave us an update before the game to say that he's had a, I wouldn't say a setback, but it just, it, the game came too, too soon for him. The cup final probably is his more realistic target. Ryan Jack has a slight issue, no no surprise there, unfortunately. Um, I think, Dave, you alluded to it uh, a couple of weeks ago in one of the pods that he is due to break down, and I'm the staunchest Ryan Jack supporter you can get. I think I was even defending him at the time because he did show a great run of form, but there is the customary Ryan Jack breakdown. Hopefully it's not too bad and he will be back by the weekend, even if it's just as an option off the bench. But obviously... The big news is that Malik Tillman has some sort of, I don't know if it's a calf or a hamstring problem, it's one of the two. No, no, well, look, it's probably both. Um, now, Michael Beale hasn't ruled him out for the game against Livingston. I would like to think that this is just a complete precaution, um, that we probably could have risked him if this game was on grass. The fact that it was obviously on the artificial surface um, might have forced Michael Beale's hand a little bit. That's that's me being positive, by the way. Um, however, my biggest fear is this could rule Malik Tomlin out for the weekend, next weekend in the cup final, and that would be one almighty blow. However, we will come on to the performance of Todd Cantwell and Nicholas Raskin in this particular game, but even at that, um, Malik Tomlin out for the weekend would be a massive blow. So, Dave, 
We just need to hope that it is just a slight problem and he needs to go on that training part this week and hopefully he's ready to go come Sunday. I, I, I do think, must, I was surprised not to see him in the team, obviously, but uh, I do think it was just a precaution because of the pitch. It's always going to be a tough game, tough surface, I think you better leave them out. But my main kind of takeaway when we saw the team come out was there was a few key faces missing and six weeks ago that would have killed us. But we're getting players back now and getting more players and the squad fit, you're looking and going, right, we've got a bit of depth and now it starts to feel like we've got a bit of depth and you don't miss Jack, he's no vital at, in the machine at this minute in time. You don't miss Tillman, as, you will always miss Tillman because he's quality, but you've got Cantwell and Sakala to offer that attacking threat. So, aye, disappointing that he's maybe picked up a wee knock, but uh, aye, the, the depth of squad now is starting to give me a bit of heart as well. Andrew, obviously, when it comes to Ryan Jack and John Lundstrom, now, uh, John Lundstrom's not the greatest of seasons. We've, we've, we've discussed that many times um, over the last couple of months. Ryan Jack, I actually think, had a fairly decent season, but again, that might be coming from a point of view of being biased towards Ryan Jack, but I genuinely do feel that he's he's performed to a reasonable level this year. Um, what I will concede is those two in the squad... Um, not necessarily in the starting 11 come Sunday. Those two in the squad for, for this Sunday's Cup final is they, they make Rangers stronger. You look at our bench at the weekend, you know, Adam Devine, Leon King, um, and Bailey Rice. Um, I mean, with all due respect, they are academy players and it's nice to see that, but you would much rather Tom and Jack Lundstrom are actually filling those slots and it gives us more options off the bench come this Sunday, which I do think that the substitutions um, will play a massive part come Sunday. And I know we will talk about the Celtic game in more depth um, during the week, but just that immediate uh, kind of reaction to those two uh, in terms of Ryan Jack and John Lundstrom possibly being out, it does weaken us come, come the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think when we look at those players, them being fit, them on top form, of course they had something, right? But as it stands, I mean, Kamara and Raskin as the as the two central midfielders, which is probably where Jack and Lundstrom would play, both of them on their top form, fully fit. I mean, it's going to be difficult to displace them. I think, you know, Lundstrom, if he's in, you know, his uh, scoring against Dortmund form, yeah, maybe. Um Brian Jack um, at his best yeah of course but when was the last time we saw that realistically right so of course it's a blow because they're experienced players Jack especially is someone who you can rely on to kind of control the game but I I, I think it would be harsh on Glenn Kamara to dismiss him uh, in an old firm he's he's done some good things in, in some of the previous old firms so I, I, I think on paper obviously it weakens us but I'm pretty well, I'm quietly confident what we've got. Absolutely. So let's go into the game. Um, I think it, I think it's fair to say that before Rangers got the opening goal in the 24th minute, it was a very um, typical start uh, to to a game um, away from home for, for Rangers, certainly under Michael Beale. Now, that's no criticism. It just seems to be that there's a, a wee bit of slackness, a wee bit of lack of urgency. And we never really properly get going in games under Bill until the second half, which it is a worry, but as I said um, at, at the start, as long as results are coming in, you, you don't overanalyse these things unless you are really, really looking for the negatives. Um, so I wasn't overly worried by what I would describe as a very stuffy start to the game because I know the, the opposition, I know the opposition manager and certainly his approach to the game 
which is no slight on Martindale. Um, as, as I mentioned last week, he's playing to the strengths of the squad that he's got on a very limited budget, so that's that's fair. Um, but Rangers, the, the, there was certainly creativity on that park. Uh, Dave, you alluded to it. Obviously, you've got Kent, Sakala and Cantwell. Um, and to a certain extent, Raskin from that deep role looks very comfortable indeed. Um, just a word on Raskin, I think that he's played for Rangers for three weeks now. It looks as if he's played for Rangers for three years. He's slotted right, and that's the type of signing that I, I'll, I've wanted to see at Rangers. None of this kind of, you need to give him six months. Raskin is taking to Rangers like a duck to water. So I suppose we will discuss his individual performance um, later on, but... Rangers um, did finally get the breakthrough on the 24th minute, as I said. The ball went into the box and there was a tug on Alfredo Morelos and Rangers were awarded a penalty. Um, I think it went to VAR. So, and I must I must um, actually say at the moment that some of this analysis of this game we're taking from Rangers TV. Now, Tom Muller, uh, I know and I like, uh, so I'm not criticising him, uh, criticising him in any way here, but him and Gordon Smith got a lot wrong. Um and that might be because obviously they weren't getting the, the feedback from what VAR was saying. Like there was an incident where Ryan Kent should have had a penalty, but the reason that VAR never gave the penalty is because it was offside. That obviously wasn't fed back to Tom and Gordon. And they kind of went on for kind of five minutes talking about a Stonewall penalty we should have had. So there was a lot of kind of breakdown in communication from what we were getting from RTV, which we as podcasters, we need to try and sift through that shit and, and, and try and get to the truth. So... There will be incidents uh, like that when I'm trying to describe something, whereas I'm kind of taking my opinion um, based on what I've been told, even though um, it, what I've been told by Tom and Gordon might not actually be accurate. But in, in, in terms of this, um, Dave, was it a clear cut penalty? I don't think so, but I cast your mind back to Katic on Chris Julian at Parkhead. Um at the time, I thought, man, that's incredibly, that's incredibly harsh. And then you even seen in the second half, Rangers should have had a penalty in that game uh, with a, a similar incident on, I think it was Joe Aribo, um by Julian himself. Um, but the fact that VAR is now here, this is why VAR is here, to, to pick up these things. But it was, I think it was a penalty, but it was on the soft side, if, if you know what I mean. Well, for me... <laughs> It's, uh, this is where VAR falls into a certain trap. I thought the same thing with the Cholak penalty. So VAR falls into a trap here because they're looking at it slowed down and you can't no get a penalty if it's yeah. so clear cut. So VAR has kind of, it's made a bit of a rod for the same back going, well, slowed that down. He's, it, it, it is pulling the jersey technically. I don't think it really impedes Morelos too much. I think the boy in front of him was always favourite. It's a stupid penalty. Martindale probably went through the boy for doing it because it's... it's basically cost his team a chance of a point for something that didn't need to happen but it's it's one of these situations you're in now where you need to give all of them or give none of them yeah. and they end up looking for every bit of grappling in the box what made it more stupid for me was the fact that it was for open play at corners when you're stationary and you're feeling where people are and you've got your hands out, hands on them grappling kind of happens because it's a stationary start but he's had to, in open play he's had to go and get Morales, find him and pull him back so it's a free kick outside the box so, as a penalty, obviously I, just fucking delighted we got it. Definitely, and Dave, you, you make a good point there, obviously, the, the, the boy didn't need to do it, um, so the fact that he's gave the referees that decision to make, or, or Val that decision to make, um, if, if it was a Rangers player that done that, you probably would be frustrated with them, rather than uh, bemoaning the fact it was a soft penalty, but as you say, the 
the rule is in place now and VAR is in place. So by that, by those two facts, you would expect to see quite a lot more penalties because that happens all the time unless players actually learn just not to to do it, um, which is a lot harder than it sounds because it's it's a natural reaction. You're trying to stop a man from getting a yard of space, and and to do so, you obviously need to get a bit physical. But to actually pull the shot, um, it's something you see a lot, and as I say, you should see a lot more penalties. So it's it's kind of whether we do or not that it's. It's Scottish football, isn't it? You, you just don't know what you're going to get with, with certain decisions. Um, Andrew, there was only one man stepping up. It was Tav. It was a goal. Of course it was. It's his 50th goal um, for Rangers from the penalty spot. Um, quite a remarkable statistic that in itself. Um, there, there's a school of thought here, Andrew, that Tav maybe shouldn't have taken this. Uh, this isn't from me, by the way. Um, I obviously believe that Tav should have taken it, but the school of thought is... We've got the cup final coming on Sunday. Tav missed his previous penalty. And if he missed this one, what would have happened if we got a penalty um, at Hamden? Um, were you thinking that? Or is that just Rangers fans worrying for the sake of worrying? Well, that would be very unlike Rangers fans now, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I thought he should be taking the penalty because he's the penalty taker. My dad did not um, for, for the reasons you kind of described there. But look... It's double-edged sword. Um, you can say that if he misses it, it's a knock to his confidence. He scores it after missing his previous one, and it's a boost to his confidence. Yeah. I think we might see later on what a boost to his confidence does for his performance as well. So, yeah, I, I had no qualms whatsoever about him taking it. I think it was the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, had no issues converting it either. So, all good all round. Absolutely. And as I say, um, the, the game itself that there isn't really that many talking points uh, to cover between now and the third goal and um, certainly between Tav scoring the first and half time there was a few opportunities there was a few uh, bits of nice play especially by Cantwell I thought Cantwell um, Cantwell's really surprised me if we could just talk about Todd Cantwell for a wee second here because I had it in my mind um, and it's not something that I think I've got totally wrong here. It's because I literally have seen Cantwell play in the Premier League and he looked like a what I would describe as a luxury player, somebody who could possibly create something out of nothing, that wee bit of moment of magic, but on the whole you might have to carry him more than you would actually get the, the output. Um, however, Dave, the surprising element to Todd Cantwell for me is this this is this is a boy who I, I would actually say is an all rounder. He is he can do the physical work, he can do the, the, the kind of donkey work if you like, the, the kind of the hard yards, get the ball to his feet, and he can he's got vision and he's got an accuracy of pass that has really, really surprised me. When the when in those tight situations he can create that wee bit of space for himself. Again, as I alluded to, there is that moment of magic, but it's everything else that's really, really surprised me. A couple of balls in the first half were just absolutely pinpoint. Totally superb balls. One actually created a chance for Kent to go through, which he did do, and the, the, it was obviously a penalty because it was a foul, but Kent was offside before that. That's what I alluded to with, with Rangers TV getting mixed up with that. So has, has, has Cantwell surprised you just by his, his overall game? Because we know we're getting a quality player who, I don't think it's controversial to say, was damaged um, because of the previous kind of 18 months of his career where it, it sort of stalled, if you like. Um, but I'm I'm really, really surprised by what he what he brings to us because I didn't think he brought as much as he's actually brought so far. Um, because, as I say, it's just, it seems as if he could do everything. 
Hi, he surprised me a wee bit in that regard as well. I thought he was maybe a, <clears throat> a kind of flair player, as you say, a guy who would look to affect the games in dangerous areas, maybe more akin to Hadji and Tillman in that regard. But he's all round game, his willingness to get involved, his, his speed of movement, his technical ability. I'm glad that we've signed him, obviously, right? But him and Raskin, <clears throat> you said earlier, came in and are starting to affect the first team right away, which we've no kind of think of the last guy after that, he came in and immediately made an impact, certainly in the last couple of Indies. So obviously Beal's starting to have an influence in transfers and he's finding these guys technically good, hard-working, day the ugly side. You could probably throw Aribo and Kamara into that bracket as well and they were obviously Beal and Gerrard signings and that's the market we should be operating in. Guys with the best years ahead of them, but British if possible because they know the, the, the country, the culture and all the rest of it and uh, capable of doing a wee bit of everything. So... Uh, he has proved me wrong so far. As I said, I think I said on the pod, if you show me videos of Todd Cantwell playing football, I like it. If you show me videos of doing anything else, as a Rangers star, I don't like it because I carry on in social media and all that. And I thought, what are we signing here? What's this boy all about? But no, hit the ground running and an effective contributor. Mm. And Andrew, the one thing that has really, um, really helped me take to Cantwell uh, is he clearly already has fallen for Rangers. Like, you see his social media posts. I know Dave's, <laughs> Dave's not a big fan of him. Um, especially, he, he loves Instagram. Let's not talk about his TikTok, but his Instagram posts is just nothing but positivity towards Rangers. Um, he just seems to have absolutely taken to the club straight away. And yeah, you you get players like that that do. Um, of course you do. Some ain't genuine, some ain't not. But with Todd Carmel, you can absolutely see that it is genuine because the boy wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, I mean, you know, Campbell came up through the Norwich Academy, right? So I've always, I'm already automatically going to have a soft spot for him because that's my English team. But, um, you know, he, he went through that academy. Norwich has been the only club he's ever known. So to go from Norwich to a club like Rangers, where suddenly you've got this massive fan base that's passionate behind you for everything until you fuck up, obviously, um, and, and wants you to succeed... Then yeah, I, it's no surprise to me at all. He's exactly the type of player who will buy into that because I think to a degree, it, it's a weird comparison, but he sort of reminds me like of early season Ken, you know, in his first season or so, where you could see that he was a boy who was clearly talented, but never I think was going to make a massive impact at the very top levels of the English Premier League, but you could see how much it meant to him to come to a club like Rangers and be one of the standouts, one of the main guys. And you could see that in how Kent has bonded with uh, with our fan base and, and to, to the same extent Al Campbell's doing the same thing. So I, I'm really enjoying watching him play. Uh, he it looks like he's slotting in really well already, similar to, as you said, with uh, Raskin. So, yeah, um, very excited. Long may it continue, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Um so the, the the first half kind of petered out, as I said, we had the, the chance with Kent where he was offside, there was a few more kind of half chances, if you will. Rangers were never under any pressure. Um, the big man up front, I think, yeah, kind of highlighted him as being one of the, the, or, or the danger man for Livingston Nubly. Physically, he was given Goldson and Davis a wee bit of a hard time, but technically they had him well covered, um, so he couldn't really get, uh, get into the game. So second half starts and Rangers, they kind of pick up from the left off, not really threatening, in control, not really threatening, get plenty of possession, not really penetrating enough. Um, you, you get to the kind of 60, 60, 70th minute mark, um, Dave, and you just automatically 
go to ah right here we go here we go sucker punch is inevitable here it's coming love you're going to score and then we're going to spend the last 15 minutes of this game chasing the game and then it's a kind of lot at that point yeah i'm looking for rangers to kind of this isn't a, a, a you know over the top criticism i think it's a very valid criticism yeah looking for rangers to kill games off earlier than this and that has been an issue this season completely if we do get the first half goal or we do get an early goal we sort of sit on that lead and we don't go for the kill very very seldomly have we done it um i think you know the, the the one example you can have is hearts of course twice at ten castle um but it's it's more often than not we we've put ourselves in a position where we could be exposing some vulnerability because we're playing into the game plan of the opposition the opposition um in scotland out with hearts and celtic um it's it's so abundantly obvious don't concede if you concede, stay in the game to the last kind of 10, 15 minutes and then we'll, we'll have a go. And that seemed to be the way it was going a wee bit. I'm not saying Rangers were under any sort of pressure, um, but as I said, that 60, 70th minute, well, we're not looking to have get got the game killed off. And the the fear was certainly um, heightening for me. Um, I, I, I didn't think they were carrying that much a threat. No. So I was quite calm throughout, but in, in general, the point you're making, should we kill games off and try and have the game put to bed earlier? Absolutely. I think it's something we need to seriously start to work on because if you look across the city, they get two goals up relatively early on. Games did, they can start to relax a bit, rest players, just rest within the game because you're no under as much pressure or stress. And it's interesting, I was talking about this, again, I've said this to Bob before, under Gerard in his first season, there was a span of 20 games towards the end of the season where we were either a goal up or a level or a goal down. So there's one goal in it in the last 15 minutes of these games. Mm. And my abiding memory at that time is how much energy we were expending either protecting a lead or chasing the goal to win the game. And over a season, that will tell. So for next season, we're going to need to start being out of sight and putting teams to the sword in the first half because... Over a season, that will start to count in terms of fatigue, mental fatigue as much as anything else, and relying on subs to bail you out. It's it's the only criticism I've got really. The Belira still we're still in that honeymoon period. Obviously, results are helping. We can see the improvements, and we're all quite happy. But it, the it's going to crystallise into a bigger criticism for me: the fact that we're no killing games are fair enough. As you see, Livingston had the chance. Kelly put over the bar, and I think they had another wee sniff as well. Uh, You've got to be, have the game won so that these things are not a factor. As you see, if that one goes in, Kelly, the whole thing's stuff completely different. Yeah. I think to your point there, Dave, I totally agree with you that they weren't threatening much, if at all. Um, but I think that's where the, the nervousness for me was lying because it would have been a complete smashing grab if they did obviously get that late goal to, to um, steal a point. Oh, we've seen enough times where teams have zero impact on the game until yeah. they go up the park and score with their only attack. So you've seen it far too much. And um, obviously that's where the, the, kind of, the nervousness was. But Andrew, not to worry, because on the 78th minute, um, James Tavernier um, converted a free kick and it was a, a lovely free kick to make it 2-0 in game over a double by Tav. Just before that, um, Omienga was sent off for a second booking. Now, again, like there's a wee bit of debate about this. I just don't see it at all, really. Like, the VAR, okay, I can see that as an side, but this, he, 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 got, he obviously goes for the ball, he misses it, he gets the man, 
He brings him down. He's on a yellow card. It's it's a second booking all day long. Yeah, I, I was confused for a second there because I thought you were going to try and make the argument that you didn't see it as a um, as a foul. Yeah. And I'm like, Chris, you've had some wild takes in your time, man, but <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Um, I mean, you're, no, giving, I, you're giving me criticism for something I never even said. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's very unlikely. I'm sorry, mate. That's normally your department. Um, <laughs> look, um, I, I don't I don't think there should be any controversy about it. It's Again, similar to the VAR decision uh, that gave us the penalty, by the letter of the law, it is what it's exactly what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. And both of them are challenges that the Livingston players do not need to make as well. Um, Morales is never going to get his head to that ball. Shirt doesn't need to be pulled. Um, the the foul is at the edge of the area. Does Roof go through and definitely score that? Maybe, but I, I think. In, on balance, you probably take the yellow cards to um, to protect your your own goal. So they're, they're both fouls. Um, I have no complaints about that whatsoever. I think it's wild that that people would have. You know, it's yeah. just this. It's the state Scottish football's got itself into, largely driven by we know who. That every decision, even absolute stonewall red cards and stonewall penalties, no need to be scrutinised. We just have this febrile atmosphere that. Everything's got to be looked at as a potential part of the wider conspiracy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could spend some time analysing the game, looking at how Livingston set up to nullify us, you know, dig into the tactics, or you could write 50 opinion pieces about how the refs are actually secret Masonic lizards, you know? So, I mean, what 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 is a responsible football journalist to do, you know? What gets the clicks? Well, yeah. there you go. Uh, but the, the, the thing that again I shouldn't be too surprised but the narrative of this um, and to be fair actually to the the hacks if you will uh, David Martindale actually said this which kind of took me by surprise a wee bit um, the red card changed the game uh, well we've just spoken about it we're 1-0 up well, I wouldn't say we were cruising but we're under no threat at all um, it was sort of petering out Livingston may have had a chance um, but it wasn't exactly red card, nothing each, 60 minutes to go. You know what I mean? It was There was 30 well, minutes to go. Rangers are already winning. I don't see how it changes the game. You know, I just... Li- Livy, Livy managed to make one shot on target for the entire game, which probably tells you a little something about the balance of chances that were being made there. So, just, you I know... Don't, I don't get it. I don't, a, a, a real... A real um, blunder by Martindale, I have to say. Um, but that was obviously quickly seized upon by certain journalists um, and certainly uh, certain mouthpieces who who agreed that the red card definitely did change the game, even though Rangers were already winning at the time, looking comfortable, and there was you know just over 10 minutes to go. Quite an incredible take. But as I say, from the resulting free kick, Tav, what a free kick, postage stamp, all the cliches, onion, onion bag, top... Top bin, uh, can't think anymore, Dave, help me out. Um, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful free kick. Uh, he's done that this season already at Livingston, but he went the other way. Um, did the keeper get psyched out a wee bit because he was thinking he's going to go the same corner? I, I don't know, I think it's so good and well struck. Plenty of pace and bend on it. I just think it's a, another top draw to have free kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was. It was a, a, a belter actually. Um, and the, the, point... the only way the only way the keeper saves that is if he's standing on that side of the goal directly underneath where Tav's kicking it to. It's that's, that's, it's that's, ridiculous quality. But that's my point, David uh, Andrew. Sorry, because 
was he not standing more to that side because he was thinking Tav's going to go the same way that he went on the opening day of the season? Because I think it did become a wee bit of a uh, kind of battle of the minds because Tav knows what he's going to do, but the keepers haven't second guess him because obviously Tav's not going to tell him. And the way the the position of the free kick was, it was almost identical to that that opening day free kick. You know, I mean, it's just a. I think at the end of the day, it's just a quality kick. I mean. You know, the, the, the keeper can can try and position himself as best as possible, but there's zero chances of making that one because it's just a ridiculously well struck free kick. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the end of it, really. No, I think well, there's, there's, there's no point completely overanalyzing it. Um, as I say, the points are safe at this point, um, but Rangers make sure um, and Kamal Roof gets uh, the, the the third goal in the 85th minute. Uh, a nice typical Kamal Roof finish. Good for his confidence getting into the cup final. Was a little bit surprised to see him, Andrew, because obviously that pitch and his injury record. But pleased to see him. He looked sharp. He had a chance just before his goal where he tried to go across the keeper. Um, Probably uh, one of the only players that could actually do a finish like that or execute a finish like that um, in the Rangers team. So he was a wee bit unlucky there. Um, But he looked hungry. He looked sharp. And... I don't think he's going to start on Sunday, but he done everything he possibly could in his uh, short cameo. We came on in the 69th minute, so he had two, uh, 20, 20 odd minutes to stake a claim for that jersey on Sunday. And um, I don't think he could have done any more. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough because, as I say, uh, I think nine out of the 11 are probably stick-ons and one of those nine would be Morelos. But he's certainly done himself no harm and his confidence will be pretty high. Yeah, and I mean, he's an option that you can have alongside Morales as well. Um, it, it wouldn't necessarily be my choice, but you can certainly make an argument for seeing how him and Morales play together, certainly more so than Cholak, because I think him and Morales kind of take up similar positions on the park. Um, you know, it's an argument about who contributes more and who's more effective there. But, you know, he's Rusa player we have to manage quite carefully because we know that we are only going to get a certain amount of minutes out of him per season. So restricting him to just half an hour on this pitch, I think even that's a bit risky given the given yeah. the state of it. But uh, that makes sense from a tactical standpoint. Making sure he's fit and hungry going into this game, which is Mick Beal's probably his biggest game so far, chance to win silverware, um, certainly since the old firm. Um, yeah, th- this, is, this is a huge game. So you want to have as many good options available to you and certainly up top i think we're looking very strong so absolutely um a couple more things to mention here uh bailey rice made his debut on the 88th minute uh dave 16 year old believe he was number 92 believe he was born in 2006 which i, I actually seen something on twitter he was born a couple of days before rangers beat livorno in italy uh do you feel old yet i already felt old but that just hammered at home <laughs> um, but it's good to see these young boys getting uh, getting getting some game time. Like, don't get me wrong, if Rangers are winning one 0 um, with t- two or three minutes to go, I don't think it comes on. But the fact that we're wrapping up these kind of games before the last five minutes, it, it gives these lads an opportunity um, to kind of get that first team exposure. And it is good to see that that Michael Beal is keeping in line his methodology um, of he is predominantly. Or not predominantly, but he he was fundamentally first and foremost a youth team coach. He's now progressed into first team management, but he's obviously still got keeping an eye on what he knows best, and that is obviously bringing through young players. So it's um, 
Although it's two minutes, and although you get like maybe one or two touches, if that, in fact, you actually try to get a cross in, um, it's it's still good management of these young players because that you can imagine that young boy, you know, he's getting home, he's 16, he's, his mum and dad are proud of him, he's telling all his pals, I've played for Rangers, you can never take that away from me now. Um, and he'll be absolutely buzzing when he goes back to playing his uh, kind of normal football over the next couple of weeks now. I, for me, I mean, we know it, what it takes to make it at Ibrox and we've seen maybe uh, guys you could say have truly made it and for example gone into the Hall of Fame there have been three or four there's maybe been five maximum ten who've really made it in the last the last time I've been supporting the club but one thing we do need to get better at is moving the guys who are no good enough on for transfer fees and if you've got a couple of appearances under your belt for Rangers you're going to get a League 1, League 2 club and we can get a fee in for that and that is just part of the financial picture build that up and that might supply a good quality first team player obviously I want the boys to make it and you want to have homegrown players on the team but we know it's not going to happen but I'd, I get Gio was never particularly keen on introducing them but uh, no I like it I, that I, he... I think that's a wee bit harsh uh, Dave to be honest I thought I thought Gio done really quite well with the introduction of youth players maybe it's just my memory but they introduced quite a few of them, did they know? Maybe I'm just thinking about the Hearts game, you know, where we played like the under twelves. I I think that's maybe the, the outlier because it was the end of the season. But uh, I I never felt they had a particularly good attitude towards youth. But uh, I, the only other point I took away from Bailey Rice playing and Lowry's not really been on the picture the last couple of weeks. It just I wonder what that says for for yeah. where he is at the minute. Lowry's a very peculiar case. I don't know what to make of Lowry. I hear a lot of negativity surrounding him um, in terms of attitude and, and whatnot and his approach to professionalism. Um, some it might be true, some it might not be. Uh, it's You're now looking at the third manager, um, Gerard, Gio and Bill. where I don't think any of the three doubt it that Alex Lowry's got ability, but none of the three certainly trusted him or, or gave him an extended opportunity and when he was given an opportunity it wasn't you know it wasn't used again after that so there is there is clearly something in the the rumours about Lowry and it really saddens me because that's a boy with all the talent in the world that really should be making a breakthrough um I was actually expecting this to be his breakthrough year with Rangers to be fair and yep. it's I have to call it for what it is. It's it's a wasted season. It's an it's an absolute wasted season. I was expecting twenty first first team appearances between start of season and end of season. He's not going to get that now. Um, it will be interesting to see what we do in the summer with, with Alex Lowry. Um, possibly a loan move or possibly moved out. But it's quite sad. It's quite sad really because as I say he's a very very talented boy. But there's obviously some other issues there that only he can sort out because. I don't believe that an attitude thing or an approach thing can be sorted out by a manager. He can give advice, and as I said, there's there's two previous managers to Michael Beale that have obviously tried to give him the correct advice, and those two guys were world-class footballers, so if he's not going to listen to them, then on his head, really, isn't it? Um, Andrew, another talking point from the game, just before we move on to kind of any other business, was there was several banners on display, but the, the one that we'll talk about is obviously the banner about standards, uh, two trophies in 11 years. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was an odd one. Uh, as I say, I don't agree with the timing of it, um, especially the the week before a cup final. Um, I don't agree with the timing of it in terms of a week after the controversial decision to allow Partick Thistle a goal, where the the reason for doing so was described as the standards of this football club. So I think that was a dig at Michael Beal as much as it was a dig at the board. I th- the, what I take from it is they were having a dig at both Beal and the board. The the message I. Yeah, I, I I can I can um I can see where they're coming from there. The one thing that you privately uh, and apologies that I made in your private thoughts in the public, but I'm sure you were going to say it here anyway, Andrew. But the, the message that you said to me privately was you were quite um you thought it was quite bizarre the 11 years when this board have not been in place 11 years. So I would agree with that. Um, but as much as I I would agree with the message of two trophies, let's just say eight years that this board have been in place I think it is eight years, two trophies in eight years, I don't think that is good enough um, I think that's way short, I think in that time we had opportunities to add to that collection certainly um, you look at the Hibs Cup final, you look at the Celtic Cup final and you look at the two trophies that we effectively flung away in the 55 year um, you look at obviously not defending our title these were massive opportunities to add to that hole which weren't taken so I, I get the, the frustration there it's just the timing for me, I don't really understand. Um, this this banner would have not been out of place during the height of the kind of September-October period where everything was to ship. Um, a poor transfer window, um, a poor European campaign, a poor performances domestically. So the, I would expect a banner like that then. But the fact that we're in the middle of a 14-game undefeated run, managers get an almost perfect um, apologies, Rangers got an almost perfect record um, and the week before a cup final. Was there really any need in it? I don't think so, Andrew. What, what say you? Yeah, the 11 years thing was bizarre to me because I'm not entirely sure. You know, I'm, all, I'm all for Rangers winning trophies all the time, right? But I think it was pretty unrealistic to expect us to go out and try and pick up the Scottish Cup and the League Cup when we're in Division 3. And the only senior players we've really got of any note were Lee McCulloch and Lee Wallace. So, um, no, it, it's it's bizarre for a number of reasons, as, as you've described there. The, um, the fact that it's targeted against a series of boards, not just the one that's currently in place. Um, it's laying the blame at the feet of several managers, not just the one who's currently in place. As you say, the one who is there hasn't really put a foot wrong apart from, you know, being unfortunate in an old firm game, which, hell, I, I can't really think of any Rangers manager who had the perfect first old firm game. I think pretty much every manager that we've had has has not had that go perfectly for them um, in recent memory. So it, it's a bizarre one. Of course, Rangers should be winning more. But th- this was a wild time to decide to air that particular grievance because... What more do you want Bill to be doing? He's mm. literally won as much as he possibly can. The only downside has been he's been up against a ridiculously consistent Celtic team. Um, and even at that, he still managed to pick up a point against them. I don't think any other team is expected to be able to do that this season. The fact that we were able to do that in... that That's, you know, one of Bill's earliest games, right? The, the fact that he was able to do that, yeah. I think, was a small miracle. Um, yeah. I see. I knew I would disagree with you eventually. I, don't I, I, I know you'd find the way, right? Uh, I don't think we should be celebrating draws against Celtic. I, I know that's not what you're doing, but I, I also no, don't, I don't think we should be glossing it as some sort of miracle era, especially when you look at the 
Again, this isn't any criticism of Michael Beale. I'm not. I'm really not criticism of Michael Beale. Um, I, I do agree with you. Before the game, was I expecting a defeat? Yes, probably. Um, but was I leaving Ibrox that day happy? No, I was very disappointed. No, of course not. Um, and the reason I was disappointed was because I felt Michael Beale got it wrong. Um, and I felt his use of the substitute probably did cost us in the end. But but um, the team was Fred Bell, and uh, we were literally. We had zero options. You look at Cel- who Celtic brought off their bench. You look at who we brought off our bench. It was it was a, it was an, a, a matter of quality. But um, th- th- that's the, what you just said there, Andrew. That's probably the only thing I disagree with. Uh, I, I don't think it was a, a miracle to draw with Celtic or anything like that. But I do get your overall point. Um, there isn't much more Bill could have done other than beat Celtic, which I do not believe we should be holding against them. Albeit, I do think he made mistakes on the day, but I still don't think we should be holding that against him uh, because I, I think in that old firm game he's unfortunate more than anything he does seriously wrong. I think his he's hamstrung by the subs that he can make. I not, think not to go over all ground. But, but yeah, let, let's let's dig yeah. up this game again, right? <laughs> I, well, no, that's what I was going to say. Not to go over all ground. I just think yeah, yeah. He, he abandoned his principles um, at the very wrong moment. He tried to shut the game down when. The, the obvious sub was, for me, Arfield and uh, Cholak instead of, I can't even remember who it was now. Um, Sands. come on. Hindsight's a brilliant thing, obviously. but Absolutely, right? And yeah. who's to say, you know, Arfield comes on and he still concedes that last-minute goal? Exactly. So, yeah. you know, yeah. right? Um, but the point is, he's had a near-flawless record so far. So for them to decide to say, to lay 11 years of, you know, mediocrity uh, at his feet. Wild. Um, utterly bizarre for me. What do you make of it, Dave? Uh, yeah. Just see the... The, uh, the club of... Right? The, <laughs> I, the, the club of the bit of credit. I'm just thinking this. The club of the bit of credit for the the Partick goal. And I think that's all blown over now. And at, at the time, I wasn't particularly happy because I just wanted Rangers to win. I, I've said it shows up the hypocrisy of fans because... Everybody's got a different view on it, but we did the right thing, and in hindsight, it was the right decision. So, as you say, to pick him up on that instead of just letting it slide, I'm all for having a go at this board, all for it. And I think we need it's not quite up there with the We Deserve Better campaign 20 years ago. As we said earlier, the issues that they outlined still persist. So we do need to hold the board to account, hold their feet to the fire. We need an independent fans group and not unfurling these banners when there's not been any sort of prep or mention and they've not taken the temperature of the fans. For me, it just people get pissed off with fan groups for this type of stuff because it's like a knee-jerk reaction. They don't agree with it and you go, well, you don't speak for me. <laughs> they do speak for me in the sense that I might get pretty anti this board, but they don't speak for every fan. And that drives a wedge between the fan groups and the, the bulk of fans. And that's why... The, the, the initiatives, the protests don't get off the ground because they go, well, they're, they're out of order or they're this, I'm not getting involved. If they want to take forward an agenda against this board, I'll quite happily support it because there is a lot wrong, a lot of flaws. We don't need to tread them here, but I'm all for having a go at them. I just wish it was more structured and more in keeping with the, the voice of the entire fan base rather than that. And certainly not having a go, sort of having a go at Bill over the fact that it's a quote-unquote standards issue. Uh, and standards are slipping all over the club, but particularly in the boardroom. But to make it about being off the back of something that we did 
which was widely lauded and widely regarded as right, is a bit weird in the timing. Before a cup final on a good run of form, aye, I didn't particularly like that. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's that's my main gripe about it. It's the timing, the timing. Uh, the message could have been better, uh, put better. It could have been, as Andrew said, a, a, a more specific timeline for the board that's currently in place, not for the previous regime. Who I have to say, there's no point having a go at them. Uh, not now. They're gone. I think they should be confined to history forever and never be brought up again unless we're having to discuss that period in time for a particular reason. Um, I don't think that the players and fans should be reminded of that um, a week before a cup final. And as you say, Dave, when we're in the, the, the midst of a, a great run of form. So, but the message itself, I have to say, I don't think any Rangers fan in their right mind can turn around and say, oh, the message is wrong to trophies and X amount of years. Um, Rangers should be winning two trophies a year. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, and that's got nothing to do with us. Whole, um, look at my standards are better than yours. It's just, it's just the Rangers I know. And if that is standards, then fine. But the, the Rangers I know have always been a very successful football club out with the last decade. So I think that's where they're, they're trying to kind of come from. But uh, Andrew, you want to come in, sorry? Yeah, my biggest problem is the blatant lack of respect that's being shown to the Viola Cup, really. Um, you know, I think <laughs> <laughs> that the success there cannot be overstated. So, you know, overlooking that for the sake of making an argument, disgusting. Shocking, even. <laughs> but, well, they, they showed, the, I think it was the Union Bills. I don't want to say it was the Union Bills, um, but whoever it was showed a wee bit of um, foresight, in my opinion, because they must have seen what was coming. Um on, Aye, it's a nice lead into your next point, isn't it? On the Sunday night, which was it was Hall of Fame night. Now it was a very, uh, I want to say bizarre. Um, almost, uh, Andrew, you're American, so you're probably more accustomed to uh-huh. Hall of Fame than 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 me and Dave. Right. Okay. <laughs> I was really wondering where you were going with this one, man. Two Hall of Fame ceremonies are they announced without announcing? Then inductees is that, is that a done thing I'm, I'm genuinely not having a go I'm genuinely curious because I thought that was quite bizarre because you're going to sell tickets to an event you don't know who's going to be inducted to so is um, that it's an award I mean, ceremony and it's, it's a bit of suspense exactly yeah you know you don't find out who's winning the Oscars before you actually turn up you might have an idea you know you know who's going to be in the conversation right as I think everyone did when we knew that this was going on but I, I don't. I honestly don't know if it's just my mind playing tricks on me. But every year that Rangers have had a Hall of Fame event, which I know that we've not had one in quite a while now, but every year prior to this, the the nominees or the inductees were were announced prior to the event taking place. I'm I'm sure that was the case. Um, so I think that's why this particular issue, uh, one for a better word, kind of stuck out for me because th- there was no prior announcement or engagement with fans as to who it was and it was pretty much we just had to wait for Rangers to tell us on Twitter um, which you know fine it's cool um, we all had our uh, I want to say suspicions um, I don't know we all had our uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for here let me think favourites for the, the, the nominations and I think 98 to 99% of the Rangers fans were pretty much in agreement that Davis and McGregor would be lock-ins. There was a few suggestions of Walter and Jimmy Bell. However, um, this is just a, a purely players' Hall of Fame, so that's why they weren't there. I think there should be 
a wing in this Hall of Fame um, that is completely dedicated to non-playing staff, managers, coaches, um, kit men, um, even going down to the tea lady tiny, who who absolutely is a bona fide Rangers legend and her and her family absolutely deserve to have that recognition within the club. So I think Rangers need to have a wee think about that, about recognising the, the, the non-playing staff that we've had over the years because so many phenomenal people. I can actually think, and I know I'm going off on a wee tangent here, but there's the kind of Rangers Lotto Youth um, coordinator Colin Stewart, who's been at the club now for over 20 years. Now, this is a story that I hope many Rangers fans know, but Colin Stewart, who's still at the club, um, so he sells the Rangers Lotto, he makes sure that you know, the youth team's well-funded and all this kind of stuff. I don't actually know what his, his, the, his particular role is, I just know that's what his, his role entails. Um, and Craig White uh, actually tried to get a £30,000 cheque from the Rangers lotto put into the Rangers Football Club so obviously he could take it and Colin Stewart absolutely stood up to him and made sure that, that didn't happen. Um, so it's guys like that that make Rangers the great institution that it is. Um, and I completely did not plan on having this conversation um, but that that is something that Rangers need to think about but if we, if we speak, if I talk about the what actually happened on Sunday in terms of the, the inductees so the first one was Alan McGregor um, and then it came out Stephen Davis and then the third one came uh, James Tavernier so we'll come to James Tavernier last because obviously that is uh, chronological order anyway um, Alan McGregor uh, I, don't, I just don't think there can be any uh, any doubt that Alan McGregor should be in the Rangers Hall of Fame. Um, if we look at some possible arguments against, uh, I think the only one is that he left us. Um, he left us when obviously Rangers, what, 2012, 2012, we'll just say. Um, Dave, for you, is that enough to say that McGregor shouldn't be in the, the Hall of Fame? I'm starting off with a negative because I want to speak about the positives and more depth. Um, so you don't have to go in too much depth here. Now, I was pissed off when he left in 2012, but for, since then I've kind of gathered there's maybe another side to the story in yeah. terms of how he was treated. In any event, whether he was who, who was right or wrong, I think we all know how the, the we know what the board were like at that time. His second stint alone has been good enough to get him maybe not quite Hall of Fame status if he do if it came to us for the first time. Okay, but let, me off, through, let me go through. Let me go through it, and then and then you can come. So Alan McGregor, sixteen years service over two over two spells. Obviously, came through the Rangers Academy. Four hundred seventy four appearances, four Scottish Premier Leagues and Scottish Premierships. Uh, so four of them, four league titles. Let's just say four Scottish Cups, five League Cups, one Europa League runner up, thirteen trophies overall. He's a Rangers record appearance holder in Europe in European football. Um, Dave, oh, it's beyond question. Absolutely. Yep, he has, um, there will be many debates over the years. I heard Alan uh, say on Heart and Hand when he was interviewed by David that uh, he doesn't want anybody falling out about it. He just wants people having a nice, uh, friendly chat debate about who's Rangers' greatest ever goalkeeper. He says there should be no um, falling outs, there should be no arguments. It should be a nice conversation you have with your mates in the pub. Um, it's between McGregor and Gorham, isn't it, Dave? It's... Uh... I grew up in the 90s. Gorham was the guy for me. Uh, my feeling last year during the Europa run was that he just overtook him and I probably think McGregor's had more great moments. So for me, that makes him Rangers' greatest keeper. It pains me because I love Andy Gorham, but uh, he's up there, so definitely deserve a Hall of Famer. Andrew, mention 
your thoughts on, on Alan McGregor's induction? Uh, absolutely no issues with it whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I can't really add much more to you know what you've alluded to in terms of stats there, and and Dave's um, you know points there as well. Unquestionably, yeah. I think for me a better keeper in his spell at Rangers than Gorham was. Um, Gorham, I think, was maybe more successful in terms of his overall playing career, but as a Rangers keeper, Alan McGregor is the one now for me. So, no, no questions whatsoever. I think the general consensus is a very fair one when it comes to the debate about McGregor and Gorham. Is Gorham had the best ever season a goalkeeper's ever had with Rangers, but McGregor's had a better longevity, um, which probably does pip him. I'm not saying it does. It's very much open to debate. Um, what we can say is the two amazing goalkeepers, and the two of them are in the Hall of Fame now, and the two of them are in there rightfully so. Second one, Stephen Davis. Um, again, he had the same sort of stigma of all he left under Charles Green. Let's just not go into that. Um, let's just look at why he is there. So, Stephen Davis is a weird one. Let me just quickly, first of all, get your thoughts on this. Has Stephen Davis had two spells at Rangers, or has he had four? Because he had two permanent transfers and then two loans before <laughs> permanent. So, what are we saying? Four or two, Dave? Two, keep it simple. Aye, aye. Andrew? Yeah, two. Come on. Let's, let's not get ridiculous. I agree, I, no, I agree, I agree. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, so, eight years service over the two spells, 300, 346 appearances, 28 goals, four league titles, three Scottish Cups, three League Cups, two um, UEFA and Europa League runner-up medals, 10 trophies overall. He's the most capped player to ever play for Rangers and he's the most capped UK player ever. Um, Stephen Davis, for as much as Alan McGregor will always be remembered, Stephen Davis will... St- Stephen Davis is... It's, it's, it's a weird one with Davis because of his personality, but I believe in 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years' time, he's going to look back as a kind of Rangers god. I really, really do believe that. The, that this guy has seen it all with Rangers. He's seen it all. He's done it all. The only thing that he hasn't done is get that you know UEFA Cup or that Europa League, which is just a damn shame, obviously. But to have played in two European finals, um, most cap player to ever play for Rangers, most cap player ever in the UK, um, never ever caused this one moment a baller, which sadly we can't say about McGregor. Obviously, <laughs> he's had these off-field issues, but Stephen Davis, the ultimate, the absolute ultimate professional, on and off the park. Um, he comes from Northern Ireland, so you would think he'd be a polarizing figure on this end of the this end of the country. He really hasn't been. Honestly, cannot think of one Celtic fan. It's ever had a bad word to say about Davis. He's so quiet, gets on with his work and he's a bloody damn good football player. It's a shame that he's probably played his last game for, for Rangers, but he for me was by far the most deserving of the, the, the inductees. Not to say that McGregor and Tavernier don't deserve it. Obviously we'll come on to Tavernier, but um, Davis was an absolute shoe-in for me, considering uh, the circumstances uh, his own personal circumstances where he's currently injured and it looks like it's going to be a career-ending injury, certainly his Rangers career. Um, so, a word on uh, Stephen Davis from the Bofies, but I also want to say this as well. Um, 2012 really annoyed me for many, many reasons, obviously, but one of the reasons that kind of goes under the... the, uh, the, the that gets missed a wee bit is if, if 2012 didn't happen, Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor would have likely, likely have played every season from 2012 until current day with Rangers and never moved. They were robbed of 250 to 300 appearances and many, many, many more trophies. You're talking, this would have been 15 to 20 year careers each for both of them. And that 
It actually sickens me a little bit. Um, Dave, thoughts on Stephen Davis and the Hill situation? Uh, well, he obviously negotiated his transfer in such a way that Rangers get some sort of fee. I don't think we saw any of it, but he, he played a straight bat with Rangers. I was less pissed off at him than I was at some of his colleagues in that period. And as you said, as a human being, he's just he's very low-key. He's not antagonised anybody. He just goes about his business consummate professional and it's, it's a good point and never really thought about it as you say somebody from Northern Ireland playing for Rangers clearly a Rangers fan it should be a bit of a magnet but he is he is because he's such a sort of good low-key guy and let's be honest as well he touched on his achievements but his actual ability on the park Steve Davis yep. is one of the best midfielders I've ever seen and I don't know how Raskin hopefully is the replacement underrated tackler distribution great every pass was just crisply delivered there must be a coach's dream never a minute of bother off the park and does does his job to perfection on it aye an absolute legend and it's it is a shame although he is making noises that he's trying to get back fit but it was com- coming to an end anyway with his age and maybe a token appearance just to to say goodbye so hopefully we will see him at least once but aye for me it nailed on it was, it was always going to happen at some point getting in the hall of fame for him yeah absolutely Andrew yeah, not much more to add. Um, I, I completely agree with your point about 2012, Robin, these guys of their additional kind of appearances. McGregor, certainly, I don't think would ever have left Rangers. Davis, maybe, I can see, you know. Well, actually, so, Andrew, it's, it's worth bearing in mind here, actually. In 2011, Stephen Davis signed a five-and-a-half-year contract with Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know... As we come to the end of, say, you know, alternate universe where Rangers don't go into an administration, um, you maybe see come 2014, 2015, Davis is like negotiating for a better deal. I, I, I don't think it's out with the realms of possibility that someone like Southampton come along and and try and, and try and take him because he he was I think too good both for us as well as at an international level to have gone completely under the radar. Um, and, and avoid getting snatched up. But, you know, it's a complete hypothetical, right? I, it doesn't detract in any way from, I think, his inclusion here. Um, it's, I don't think it is as much of a slam dunk as McGregor. McGregor was always going to make it in based on, you know, how consistently good he has been for us. But Davis, in coming back, um, and his performances since he's come back, have, have I think, demonstrated that not only is he a model ranger, on the pitch, he's also that off the pitch as well. Um, he gets talked about a fair amount in terms of his contributions to the dressing room, to mentoring some of the younger players. I think he will be a fantastic coach. I think as he's expressed, his kind of desire is to do that. Um, and yeah, as you guys have said, it's just a real shame that I, I think it's very unlikely we'll see him in a Rangers shirt uh, for a competitive game again. But yeah. no, no, no issues whatsoever with his inclusion in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And I wouldn't rule out ever seeing Stephen Davis at Ibrox in the dugout in the in the future. Um, as he, I think he has all the 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 potential attributes to be a very good manager, and um, it's certainly one guy that I can see possibly. Um, getting the role of manager in the future. Um, but obviously there's a lot to happen between now and then. Um, and the final inclusion, one that has, um, I want to say split opinion, I don't think it's that bad, but one that's got people talking is the inclusion of current um, Rangers player, current captain, Jave, uh, James Tavernier. 
Uh, if I go over his statistics, it's uh, eight years service, 387 appearances, 95 goals, which for a right back, I totally understand. That's just that's just ridiculous. Um, one um, Scottish Premiership, one Scottish Cup, one Scottish Championship, one Scottish Challenge Cup, one Europa League runners-up. Um, so if you split the trophies, it's two major trophies, two minor trophies, four altogether. Um, right, so obviously... Uh, I've been getting a bit of a hard time on Twitter about this. Uh, that's fine. Always happens. Nothing new there. Um, do I think that James Tavernier is not worthy of a Hall of Fame place? Uh, no, I don't. So I uh, just want to get out of the way first. Do I think now is the right time? Um, no, I don't. Uh, I think that James Tavernier is a very unique um, player in terms of, I think he's going to be the first Rangers player since, I want to say, Ian Ferguson to get a testimonial. Um, so he will get a testimonial. Um, he will break the ten years service, ten years continuous service. That is, um, that will happen in the next couple of years. I think a big deal should be made about that. I think it should be a very important event. I think it should be a match um, and a dinner and then a few charity things and 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 all the kind of usual stuff that you do for for a testimonial. But I think Rangers should make a really, really, really big deal about it. And. I believe that the Hall of Fame induction should have been the crowning moment of the testimonial. And the reason I say that is the testimonial is going to be two and a half years away, let's just say. So between now and then, you're, you're playing for, obviously, six trophies over the next two years, plus the two trophies for this year, so that's eight trophies. Um, James Tavernier's got a lot of a lot more chapters to write in his Rangers career, whereas Stephen Davis and... Alan McGregor, they've written their books. Their books have almost come to an end. McGregor may add one or two more, but that's just a bonus. Uh, Davis, as we've alluded to, will probably never kick a ball for us again, whereas James Tavernier has a hell of a lot more football to play. And I just, I don't understand the timing. I don't understand why now, when there was perfect opportunities in the future, um, because his Hall of Fame resume is not as strong as current um, Hall of Fame inductees, whereas in a couple of years it could look a lot stronger and there would be no talking, uh, there'd be no talking points, it'd be almost universal agreement and as I said it, it would have been the, the, the crowning moment of a, a celebration of James Tavernier, which is still going to come, so yeah, I don't get it, I don't get it there's also the element of um, Andrew, you said that it will give him great confidence. Uh, he was aware that he was inducted to this Hall of Fame before the Hall of Fame event took place. So he's seen his performance against Livingston, where he got the two goals. You could you could obviously uh, correlate the two and say that obviously his confidence was sky high and went out there and showed why he should be in the Hall of Fame. I get that. But there's also the other element, um, obviously playing in the cup final on Sunday, if anything was to go awry there, you know that James Tar- uh, James Tavernier is going to be the target to many of the boo boys. And by the way, I don't include myself in that, unless it's a real, real, real stinker that he he does, which I don't expect him to do. But um, unnecessary pressure um, getting into a cup final. Current captain, still got many years to play. Um, the Hall of Fame career... I don't think he's I don't think he's passed the threshold quite yet. I think he definitely will pass the threshold, but the timing for me is just off. But I will say there's absolutely nothing, zero nada that I can do about it because it's now done. Um, there's no point pissing and morning continuing to do so. At the time, that was my opinion. That's my opinion now. But what's the point going over and over and over it because it's not going to change it. He's now in, um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, Dave, I know you've got very strong feelings 
about his inclusion favourably strong, um, I must admit. See, for me, right, I think when you said about Davis being a legend in 100 years, I, I believe we're going to do a pod specifically at the Hall of Fame, so I'll keep my opinions kind of short here. But for me, Tav's a shoe-in. I think as an individual, his, his numbers, his contribution, his leadership on the park through difficult times and through good times has been exemplary. I, I don't think Tav's just a Hall of Fame player. I think Tav's in the very top tier of Rangers captains. And I know that's the, the rebuttal to that is going to be the trophies thing, but this is a unique period in our history and we've had to deal with it. I think he's dealt with it as well as he could and he's achieved things at the club, 55, Seville, that are historical for the club, but inside that, his personal achievements in terms of goals and assists. I, I wouldn't be surprised that you'd never get data, but Tav could probably be your top assist maker ever. Now, regardless of uh, teams he's playing in, standards, that is a significant contribution to to Rangers over that period. I just, for me, he's a shoe in. Now I've heard you express the timing thing verbally rather than your, your tweets, I can understand it better. Overall, the whole Hall of Fame event being now is maybe a bit ill-considered. It's the board just rushing it through to tick a box because Edmondson House has just opened. It's just another thing that's a wee bit, right, do it at the end of the season because what we've done now is tempted fate ahead of the cup final and yeah. that that hasn't gone well for us in recent years. Yeah, it's a wee bit unnecessary. Um, even, I don't know, it's... it's uh... I, I actually thought the time to end up Tav would have been after 55. I thought just as soon as that was done, Put them in then. Do you know something? I actually agree with. You. I actually we were riding the wave, uh, the crest of a wave. We we were we, we could have inducted Ian Black into the Hall of Fame after fifty five. We know that they gave a fuck. Um, <laughs> like we just everything was. No, well, not so fast, that big man. <laughs> <laughs> you get my, you get my, you get my the general gist there. It was like I actually agree. Uh, to have straight after fifty five, it, it would have been very fun. Um, it would have been lauded, really, um, by 99.9% of the fans. Nobody would have cared. Um, it's it's just, as I say, the, the timing's just a bit off. It's it's another, um, for me, it's it's quite tone deaf. Um, but, you know, it's it, it could work the other way, Andrew. It could work to, to, to our advantage um, in, in regards to your point. It could give him an almighty boost where he just goes out flying delivers the most monstrous performance against Celtic, leads us to the League Cup, and then we're all like, okay, we'll shut, we'll shut a lot of people up, including myself, probably. I mean, you'd like to think so, but I think even yeah. if Tav scores a hat-trick in the, the Cup final, it still won't shut some people up. Um, so that might be uh, hope more than expectation. Look, I, I agree, actually, with you, Chris, in terms of the, the timing thing here. Um, and I think it's worth noting that this ceremony was meant to take place as part of that 150th, you know, anniversary celebrations that should have been taking place on 150th year, right? So there's, I think the timing thing is absolutely a factor. Does this, I think, as you guys have said, you know, doing it after 55, even doing it last year, just after he's captained us to a European final and won the Scottish Cup, I think even then it comes across much better than than mid-season, especially when, you know, realistically, we think the league's probably done. Um, and we're looking at two at most cups, um, one of which is the final that's happening this weekend. So the timing thing, I, I 
I, I agree with. I, I think it is odd, but I think it's a victim of the circumstances that we find ourselves in with Edmonton House and with the build over runs that we've had with that. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult one. Uh, certainly, you know, one of the more controversial ones. But if you only look at the recent history of the Hall of Fame, we, um, you know, the last inductee before the three we're talking about now was Lee McCulloch who was still actively playing at that time, would go on to captain us during, I don't know, probably one of our worst seasons um, in terms of that 2014-15 season um, where we failed to get promotion um, after the championship. But he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, He's got a winner's medal collection that he can point to that certainly outstrips Tav. So the Hall of Fame is never going to be an exact scientific process. It is always going to be subject to the whims and the desires of the people who are running the club. And there will be influences in terms of what a player contributes, not just in terms of rear, raw kind of trophy count, but everything else that they add in terms of them as people, not just as players. So Tav's journey is one that's almost unique um, with us. Um, starting in the championship, involved in a team that had the most, I think, disproportionate win over Celtic that we'll, we'll ever see, because I cannot envision a circumstance, or at least I hope that there is never a circumstance where one of the old firm is outside of the top flight and manages to best them in a cup. Tav was part of a team that did that. Um, can't can't be taken away. So his achievements with us are, you know, unique. And some of his numbers are ridiculous, as, as David said. So I completely understand his inclusion. I think it probably makes more sense when he's wrapping up his career. Um, as we talked about offline, McGregor and Davis are both players who are unlikely to be, um, you know, contributing on fields after this season. Or at least we hope so in the case of Alan McGregor, because it's lovely and is well-deserved in the Hall of Fame. But I would like him to retire now, please. So, Yeah. That's kind of my take on it. Um, I don't disagree with the the choice. It is, I think, I agree with Chris. The the timing thing just makes it a bit weird. Yeah, the one thing that I would say though is uh, just to kind of sum it up is somebody actually mentioned this on Twitter to defend James Tavernier, but I actually think it went against the defence of James Tavernier, um, and that is uh, us as fans should not be polarised by a Hall of Fame inductee. We should all be in agreement with that. Um, and I do agree with that. So the fact that there is, um, you know, a difference of opinion here, it's it's, it's unfortunate. Um, and as I say, I think James Tavernier's career at Rangers still has many more major, major moments to come. And it certainly will, now that he's in the Hall of Fame, it will cement his position in there rather than... Um, help his uh, rather than help him get there it will just cement his position in there or so I hope because I mean it could go the other way imagine he never wins another thing over the next four years Jesus. that's that's plenty I know Jesus <laughs> uh, if you think it's bad then how man um, but I no it's, it's 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 it was an interesting night it was an interesting night but look, I would rather just put it to bed now it's happened and then just focus on uh, on Sunday so that's what we will do later on this week there will be a really quite an in-depth um, podcast dropping at some point this week probably 
uh, Thursday or Friday just before the cup final where myself and the guys will be looking ahead to the Viaplay cup final against Celtic on Sunday the 26th kickoff at 3 o'clock um, that's an important thing so if you weren't aware of the kickoff and you just assumed it was a 12 o'clock please be advised that it's actually 3 o'clock so um, I, I don't want you obviously not that you would miss it anyway because if you were to turn on at 12 you would realise it would be free but just obviously plan your day a wee bit better um, with it being at 3 o'clock um, more time we would get Past that, I imagine. It's not I was going to say, it means you don't need to start bevving at 8 in the morning, so that's quite good. If, if that if that's the kind of thing that you like to do, but obviously I'm very inexperienced with that, so Dave, thanks for jumping in there. Um, <laughs> there is going to be new content coming toward, uh, to the network over the next uh, few months. Uh, there's a few few shows that we've got lined up, a few different shows. Um, I don't think at the moment I should indulge just what they are, because I think we're kind of coming to the final stages of finalising what they are, um, but there'll be more information over the next couple of weeks as to what they are. Certainly, Eddie is driving that, and I'd imagine that Eddie will come on uh, the, the Celtic podcast at some point this week, so I'll get more information from him on that, because uh, he is probably better placed to to give that information. Um, Andrew, whose team is it anyway that a few of them are going to be dropping over the next couple of weeks, yeah? Yeah, we're um, we're doing our EPL shows that uh, if you were subscribed to us when we were over at another network, you may have heard already, but this is the first time they're going out free. Um, great tie-ups with uh, a few Premier League, English Premier League podcasts um, and some really fascinating teams in there as well. Um, I'm hosting it because I was atrocious at the quiz, as anyone who listened to the first season will know. Um, so I'm letting Idi and Scott fight over that instead. Uh, they're all well worth a listen. Um, hope people do and enjoy it. But yeah, they'll be they'll be coming out every Wednesday over the next four weeks. So yeah, hope everyone tunes in and enjoys them. And before I thank the guys, uh, call the arms once more as I always do. We are on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can get us on Amazon Music, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Any like. Uh, follow or subscribe was very much appreciated um if you are a frequent youtuber if you could go into that and um search us on that and, and listen on that and get our numbers up because we were very very badly bodied today andrew um because we've only had a, a, a what was it we didn't break eight views um so we need to we need to try and get any double figures for that but I understand that podcasts um are more kind of uh Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast kind of thing. So as I said, any like, follow, subscribe on that is very much appreciated and it goes a long, long way. Um, so thanks to you, Dave. Um, I know that you kind of had to make a wee bit of an effort to get here. So thanks very much, mate. No bother. Always a pleasure, lads. Cheers. And thanks to producer Andrew. Yeah, no problem at all. And uh, can I ask that if anyone has questions, comments or feedback, you can obviously reach us all on Twitter, but you can also email us, contact at saturdayat3.co.uk. So we'd encourage you to do that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, thank you to you again, the listener, for for joining us uh, on this episode. And um, we will obviously be back this week to discuss um, the Viaplay Cup final. So... Um, keep an eye out for that on all our socials um, and thank you.